Hello and welcome. We are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. Thank you for joining us. My name is Nate Huss and I am stoked you are tuning in to our teaching of the week. If you are new, so glad you found us. If you haven't already and would like to learn a little bit more about us, jump over to restorationaz.org. All right, let's grab our Bibles and dive into this week's teaching. Go ahead and dive into John chapter 14. Imagine with me for just a moment this this scene. You've probably experienced that maybe in a living room on somebody's birthday or Christmas or, or something like that. And there's a group in a circle and somebody's about to receive a gift that you've chosen, that you've paid for, that you've put thought into. And this is somebody that matters to you quite a bit. And so as they're crinkling the paper and unwrapping the gift, you're really hopeful because you've thought about their likes and dislikes. You've thought about their needs and what would be useful and helpful. You know this person. And so you spent time and you spent money and effort thinking through what would be the best possible gift that you could give to them in this moment. And as that anticipation builds, because you're confident in this gift, they unwrap it, and you're hopeful, and then all of those hopes kind of crumble quickly with this kind of blank stare, and they look at you and just give like a half-hearted thank you or maybe a half-hearted smile. And you had this expectation of what was gonna be this, this gratitude, not even for that purpose, but because you were thoughtful, and then it just doesn't happen. I've certainly seen that. It's really a terrible, awkward kind of experience when that happens, especially if the gift was valuable, if there was a lot spent on it. I think some of the, the, the things, one of the things that we neglect most when we think about our God is how unbelievably good of a giver of gifts he is. And to be specific, in different categories, He customizes gifts better than anyone else possibly could for you. He knows everything about you. There's no one, including yourself, that knows you better than Jesus knows you. So when he gives you a gift, he knows the hairs on your head, the color of your eyes, the things you've been through, your desires. There's no one that can better customize a gift to be given to you than Jesus. He also knows your needs and can provide, and so nobody gives more practical, useful gifts than Jesus. And he's the creator of everything that is good and enjoyable. And so nobody can give gifts that bring more joy and happiness than Jesus. Yet, I think all too often, we are given these gifts by the almighty God of the universe. And maybe we enjoy it for a moment. Maybe we give a quick thanks. Maybe we don't. And then we just set that gift to the side. And it goes on the shelf and we forget about it or we we use it a little bit and then we decide there's a better offer out there and we exchange it figuratively for for something else. We've been in this series of what it actually means to be loved by Jesus and to love like Jesus. And, And today's topic is this. To be loved by Jesus is to be given the peace of Christ. To love like Jesus is to showcase the gift of peace he has given us by allowing it to shine through both the broken and beautiful moments of our lives. And when we do this, we invite those around us to receive this gift that only Jesus can offer. It's the gift of his peace, which is a different kind of peace than can be offered anywhere else. 
We'll see it in our, our passage this morning in John 14. I'm actually gonna start at the end of the chapter in verse 27. Jesus says this to his disciples who have just been told that he's gonna die, that the one that they've really left everything for is about to die and they're gonna be really lost. They have a lot of reason to be troubled and worried and anxious and to not have peace. And here's what Jesus says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, I am going away so that the world may know that I love the Father just as the Father has commanded me, so I do. Get up, let's leave this place. Peace I live with you, and then specifically he says, my peace I give to you. Let's take just a a moment to define what peace uh, actually is. If you you look it up, it can be defined in, in some of these ways. It's a state of tranquility or quiet, can be defined as freedom from civil disturbance, a state of security or order within a community provided for by by laws or customs, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, harmony in personal relations, a state or period uh, of mutual peace between governments, a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. I think anytime you talk about a certain subject or action or something that needs to find, it's really helpful to think about what it is not or the opposite as well. So the opposite of peace is anxiety, violence, disturbance, death, a troubled spirit. <clears throat> if you think about it in our, our world, there's all kinds of marketing directed it, directed it, that's a great word, marketing directed at you for businesses and locations and applications meant to bring peace to you in the midst of a chaotic world. Like I said, there's meditation and mindfulness apps that you can walk through a process in that are meant to clear your head from all the the chaos and priorities and worries and to bring a sense of peace for a bit of time. There's retreat centers, wellness retreats, nature retreats that are a literal escape from the things that are hard in life so that you can escape those and go find peace for a time. There's all kinds of products, aromatherapy, relaxation products, people purchase to change the atmosphere of the places they're at to try to bring about some form of peace. And I think every one of those things I just listed is probably a good God-designed gift that can help bring about peace or remove some anxiety or fear or worry or whatever it is. But none of those things in and of themselves can provide lasting peace. They're more like something that addresses symptoms instead of the sickness. They'll work for a time, and then what was working will will fade, it will stop. After the session in the app or with a, a counselor ends, Slowly but surely, probably the unwanted thoughts bringing anxiety will will crawl back. Or if you go on a a retreat or or just a vacation to escape life for a little bit, eventually you have to come back and face reality, we say. And so that ends. There's an end point to these things. 
Biblically speaking, there's really two different concepts that stem from two different words, two different languages for peace, the Greek word and the Hebrew word. The Greek concept for peace is really centered on the negative, meaning what is absent. Peace is about the absence of anxiety and violence and fears and worries and overwhelming to-do lists. They don't exist in a state of peace, which matters. I think, though, the Hebrew concept for peace is even more meaningful and beautiful. It's not just the absence of those kind of bad things. Peace is actually like a positive force. It's something you can feel. It has momentum and energy. It can change the feeling in a room or a company or a church or a city or a state or a nation can be moved by the felt presence of this force called peace. In the Hebrew, it's the word shalom. And it moves and it takes action and it has an effect. Those two definitions, the two different ways to look at peace, I think matter. Again, to be loved by Jesus is to be given the peace of Christ. To love like Jesus is to showcase the gift of peace he has given us so that others can see that this something unique, this different kind of peace, this lasting, holistic, no matter what comes at you, no matter how long it seems to last, that kind of peace that makes no sense or surpasses all understanding, as Philippians says, that can only come from Christ. I wonder if some of the the reasoning behind people not really embracing the goodness of a gift given is because they don't understand it. You receive something and you don't know how it works or you take it out of the box and it's overwhelming to assemble or you read the directions and they're terrible and they make no sense so you give up. Or if you're like me, you try to assemble it and then you break it halfway through because you just get mad. I think, though, there's sort of an application there for the gifts that God gives us. Sometimes I don't think we grasp just how valuable the gifts he gives are. Sometimes I don't think we understand how to utilize the gifts that we've been given because we don't understand them. So we're going to spend a little bit of our remaining time addressing three different characteristics or building blocks, if you will, of what makes the peace of Christ a unique, standalone type of peace. First part is absurdly simple, it's this. It's that peace is a gift from Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. It cannot be purchased with any amount of money possible. Find the wealthiest person in this room. Matter of fact, put all of our bank accounts together and you cannot purchase this type of peace. You cannot search the globe and the world. You can't go back in time in history to a time that had seemingly less issues or go into the future where progress would build something better and find this type of peace. It does not exist. It cannot be found outside of as a gift from a person named Jesus. No amount of success can build it. If you're introverted, no amount of isolation can protect it. This peace comes only as a gift that you can accept. And any good gift, when it's given, three things should happen. Number one, it should be accepted and received. Number two, it should be utilized. It shouldn't just sit there. And then number three, it should be acknowledged with thankfulness. Have you accepted and received the gift of peace that Jesus has offered to you? Do you actually have peace? Because he offers it to us. Do you see that in the the everyday stuff of your life influencing you? 
In both good moments and in the hard ones, do you have a peace that's unique because it has only come as a gift from Christ? Have you acknowledged that gift and given thankfulness to the Father for it? Peace is a gift. That's our our first characteristic. The second is this. Peace is presence. Peace is presence. Throughout the, the scriptures, Jesus tells us that we will have his gift of peace wherever he is. When we are in proximity to his person, when we are in his presence, we also then will have peace. John 14 certainly talks about this. Jesus says, I'm about to leave you. They're like, no, please don't. And he says, no, it's better if I actually leave you because then we'll be closer because I'm going to give you the spirit, the counselor. And so we'll be even closer than we are now. It's about presence. We we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 31 as well. The context, if you want to turn there with us, I'm going to read beginning in verse 6, is that God has saved his people from slavery and oppression and a full lack of peace, the opposite of peace in Egypt. Then Moses, their leader, has guided them through the desert and they're about to enter the promised land, but he's not going to go with them. So we pick up and we read about this in verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or afraid of them, their enemies. And there's a lot of them, and they're very powerful. For it is the Lord your God who goes, what? With you. In case they didn't understand this, he will not leave you. In case they still don't understand, or forsake you. What is that about? He will be present with them. Moses then summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. Why was he reminding them to be strong and courageous? Because they had to have doubts, to be fearful, to run away. But he says, be strong and courageous. Why? For you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to give to their fathers. You will enable them to take possession of it. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. That is a lot of reminders for what the scriptures say, a dumb, stiff-necked people. And we fall into that category. We can be hard of hearing. So he has to say it, I think, like eight times in two verses. I will be with you. You will receive my presence through war and hardship and famine. And where I am, you can have peace because I am good always. Do not be afraid or discouraged because I will be with you. Have you ever heard the the song, Even Though I'm Leaving, by Luke Combs. I go through different seasons and phases with music. I listen to like anything and everything. It goes in phases. But in the summer, I like country music, and this is a good song. And I think it actually kind of portrays the whole concept of peace being connected to presence. We'll, we'll listen to about one minute of it here real quick. you stay a little while keep me safe cause there's monsters right outside daddy please don't go I don't want to be alone cause the second that you're gone they're gonna know before he went to bed he grabbed my hand and said just cause I'm leaving it don't mean it I won't be right back 
there's a simple understanding. You can feel the peace a young child feels when his father's present in that song. My, my son used to understand that without ever hearing the song, but if you've met my son, he's really unique. He has to do things in his own way, and for most kids, it's like, Dad, stay here because there's monsters outside or something like that, you know? And my son, when he was younger, would do the same thing. I'd put him to bed, and he'd be like, Dad, don't leave. I want you to, to stay with me. And I'd be like, bud, you're fine. What's wrong? He'd be like, he has this funny voice. He'd be like, well, dad, there might be criminals out there. <laughs> I'm like, what five-year-old says there might be criminals out there? Let's stick with monsters. Where'd you get this idea? The song continues to present two other scenarios. The son grows up and goes off to war and regrets in those moments that he can't have the presence of his father with him. And then at the end of the song, the son is singing about his dad who's about to pass away, and he doesn't want to be left without that wisdom and history and love and presence. And you can feel it. It's a powerful song. Presence matters. And there's no presence that matters more than the presence of Jesus Christ. It is with his person in proximity to him, which we always have, that we can have peace through brutal things in such a, a significant way that it will be noticeable to those around us because we shouldn't have peace. As Christians, we don't get an easier life. In fact, Christ says we will suffer, but we can look unique through the suffering because we can have the peace of the presence of Jesus with us. Peace is presence. So when you don't have peace, the application is kind of simple. If you're following Jesus, just invite his presence and ask him to give you the gift of his peace. You can't manufacture it, you can't buy it, you can't find it, but you can ask the only one that can give it, the best giver of all gifts to provide. Peace is a gift, peace is presence. Lastly, the third characteristic of peace is that peace is perspective. Let's take it back to Moses and Israel and Joshua. At this point, Moses has now died, and so Joshua's a young leader. For generations and generations and generations, this nation, this massive family has been waiting for God to provide. They have this brilliant leader, Moses, and then they're about to, to do the most important part of the journey. Go take the land God has promised, and Moses dies. And so now it's left, leadership, in the hands of this young guy named Joshua. That's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Here's where we pick up in, in Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, who were powerful and had a huge army, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, presence, just as I was with Moses, which is what made Moses a good leader. I will not leave you or forsake you as another reminder of presence. 
Now here's the perspective part. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore for their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He said, I'm going to give you this land. There's no success that you will not find. There's no enemy that you will not defeat. This is the future. So now Joshua has two different unique, important reasons to have peace. That God will be with him always, he will not leave him nor forsake him, and God has told him the future. This will not fail. You've seen the miracles I've done in the past and I will do them again. Peace comes from the presence of Jesus and peace comes from a perspective that steps out of time, that can go into the future and prophetically tell us what's going to happen. Joshua and Israel could have peace because they knew the future, the future that had been promised to them by God. We see this similar concept back in John 14 as as Jesus is teaching his disciples. We'll read beginning in in verses one through four. Remember, Jesus has told them he's going to die. And then he says this, your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would not have told you. I am going to away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. You know the way to where I'm going. Jesus makes a promise to his disciples about the future and that he will be present with them in the future. We can think of trust in this way. Trust is built on past experiences. Trust is built on on past results, on what has happened. You trust somebody or you don't trust them because they've either succeeded or failed. They've been trustworthy or not, and that past builds whether or not you trust them. Future results, future promises, what will happen, on the other hand, is the foundation that peace is built on. If you look at the future and you fear what will happen, you don't have peace. But if you receive the promises of a God that has never lied or been wrong, then we have peace built on the promises he makes. This, this past Thursday, I went to, to lunch with my friend Rob. After we had lunch, we walked back to, the, to our cars and he had locked his keys in his car. So I appropriately made fun of him for that. And then I offered him my car without thinking twice. It was no issue to be like, here, just take the car and bring it back at some point. And I don't think twice to give him my car really anything because of the past. He's always proven to be faithful with that. He will be intentional. If something goes wrong, he'll figure out what is right and he'll take care of it. The past built the foundation of trust for the future to be like, here, take my car without thinking. Then after I gave him my car, I didn't pace back and forth anxiously going, I really hope he doesn't wreck it. Or I I hope he gets back on time because at at 4.30 I have to be at my kid's school for their their school orientation. Why? 
Well, because of future promises. Before he took my car, he said, hey, when do you need it back? And I said, I have to be to the kids' school at 4.30 for their school orientation. And he said, okay, I will have it back in time. And he did. Future promises brought peace. I didn't worry about it. I just kept working and doing what I needed to do. The past is the foundation that trust is built on. Future promises are the foundation, or is the foundation that peace is built on. And we have many promises from the scriptures about what the future holds. Perhaps none greater than than Revelation 21 that, that paints the picture for us of the beautiful end or the beautiful beginning, depending on how you look at it. John, the same author, writes this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea no longer existed. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling, meaning his proximity, his presence, is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will what? Be with them and be their God. How about this for proximity? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Our future destination is not about geography. It's about being in the presence, the full presence of Jesus. It's our world remade with all of the good, made even better, and without any of the sin and corruption. That is the promise we have as followers of Christ. That changes perspective and peace is this perspective that steps outside of time and instead gives an eternal viewpoint. See the same concept again in uh, John 14. As Jesus is giving his disciples a reminder both of his presence and of the perspective they should have. Let me read verse 27 again. Peace I leave with you, my peace, because it's different than any other peace, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful, even if there's reason to have trouble, even if you do have trouble, even if there's reason for fear, you must not. You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. That's perspective. He's telling them the future, when it does happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen. You can know. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming, that is Satan. And it says, he has no power over me. Other translations say he has no control over me. Maybe the one I like the most is he has no hold over me, meaning there's this expiration date. It's a a ticking uh, time bomb of sorts for Satan that it's going to seem as if he has victory when Jesus is hung on a cross and then lies lifeless in a grave, but that it's a temporary, seemingly victory, seeming moment of victory for Satan, that it will come to an end because it isn't the end. It's a temporary Moments, but Jesus will rise. And so we see the same cycle in our lives when trouble happens. Relationally, you're in a, a relationship, a conversation, a set of circumstances that feels like a knife fight. You're going to get through that. A health concern, not even death, can hold Jesus down. 
financial trouble, career trouble, whatever it is, we can pause the moment and take a deep breath and fast forward and go, we have the promises of Christ. This is significant. It seems significant. It's real. It's hard. We don't know what to do. It's overwhelming. And that's all real. But we can still pause and then go, but we do know the end. We know how the conclusion will be. Again, the peace of Christ steps outside of time to give eternal perspective. It's like if a a kid is watching The Lion King for the first time. They watch the the movie and then you get to the scene where Scar has the the plan set up and so he gets Simba into the valley and the stampede comes roaring down and so Scar sends Mufasa to go save his son, which he does save his son, and then he tries to save himself as well and he roars as he reaches up to try to climb out of the canyon and he's about to until Scar sends him plummeting to his death and Simba's overwhelmed when he goes to his dead father on the ground. Then the hyenas come and Simba just bolts to try to save his life. And now Scar's the king and everything goes black. A kid or anybody watching that movie for the first time would feel the tension, the anxiety, the conflict, the unknown. How can it get better from that moment? What you could do, though, if you're watching with that kid, is just press pause and go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how it ends. I'm going to show you. And you fast forward to five minutes left. And there we are again in the same exact place. It looks almost like the same scene, the same darkness. And Simba defeats Scar. And Scar dies. And now everything returns to life and green and health. And then what you could do is go, okay, now there's no questions. There's no anxiety. We know how it ends. Let's go back to where we were when it seemed hopeless. And we can watch and find out all the details in between, but all the while knowing the end. This is what we as Christians have the luxury of doing. We don't understand everything in the middle. It's still hard. It's still real. It's still challenging or can be. But in the moments of being overwhelmed, which happen, or you're not human, just pull over while you're driving and take a deep breath. Press pause. Fast forward, remember the perspective that the promises about the future from Jesus can give. And then at some point, you're gonna have to come back to reality. And we rewind and we go back to the moments right before we pulled over that's hard and real. But in that moment, we can know we've never been and never will be forsaken, that his presence is always with us. We have a perspective of the future where Jesus always wins which means we always win. The future can be known. A part of the peace of Christ is that he's promised the future to us, and for us, the future is deeply good. And think about it this way. For followers of Jesus, all troubles are passed through troubles. They're real. You have to go through them, but the key word is through. They're passed through troubles. Our troubles never become destinations when Christ is our king. The peace of Christ is a gift. The peace of Christ is presence. And the peace of Christ is perspective. And when we know those things, it's how we can take the gift of peace that Jesus offers to us that can't be found anywhere else or built. We can accept it. We can utilize it. And we can give thanks for it. And when we do that, the world around us 
will see a piece we have that makes no sense and say, how? And the answer can always be and can only be Jesus. This is a valuable gift that we've been given. Don't take it for granted. Don't ignore it. Don't exchange it for something cheaper. Embrace this because it's immense. It's good. And the ultimate giver of gifts is the one that's provided it. May we be a people that have peace, not by our own efforts, but because of the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are good always. We thank you that while you have not promised to save us from the broken and hard circumstances we might go through, that you've promised to be there with us, and that you've promised in the end you will win, that you will provide victory for us as well. So in these moments, good or bad, and the good we give you credit, and the bad we come to you and say, give us this gift of peace. Overwhelm us, fill us with your love. Lead us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to our teaching of the week. We are so grateful to partner with you in sharing the love of Jesus in a world that really deeply longs for it. And whether you're new here, seeking more information, looking for a church community, or considering financial partnership, go ahead and visit restorationaz.org for more details. Okay. Let's continue making a difference together. So how do we do that? By remembering Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.